Our scripture passage today will be from the same Isaiah 11, starting with verse 1. Uh, Before we go to God's word, let's pray. Father, would you send us an extra portion of your spirit that we might today understand your word more fully, that in our Savior Jesus Christ, we might know you more, that we might be the agents of peace, obedient to you, O Lord, for your glory. Open our ears and soften our hearts that we might walk in your ways through the power of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just to kind of get us into the scene here, in chapter 10, just before our passage today, Isaiah has prophesied that the kingdom of Assyria, this great kingdom, is overcoming the cities of the northern kingdom of Israel one by one. And they're taking them over, they're sending them into exile one by one, and they come to Jerusalem, and God stops them right at the doorsteps of Jerusalem, and he cuts them down. No doubt many stumps as he cuts down the great forest of Assyria. And this stump is where we'll start our passage today. Hear the word of God from Isaiah 11, starting with verse 1. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, And a branch from his roots shall bear fruit, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eye sees or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness He shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the people, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. This ends the reading of God's holy, applicable, and inerrant word. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. Every Christmas tree in every house leaves behind a stump. Assuming it's a real Christmas tree. 
they all leave behind a stump. And as we celebrate Christmas, many of us will bring in a Christmas tree to our house and we'll decorate it. And this tree will be a sign of everlasting life, an evergreen tree, a sign of the everlasting life in Jesus Christ. And many of us will decorate the tree with lights, a sign that Jesus Christ is a light shining in the darkness. These are good reminders to have during Christmas. It's good to think of these things. But this year for Christmas, let's not forget that every Christmas tree leaves behind a Christmas stump. A stump that is a reminder of what once was. A stump that is a remnant of the beautiful tree that now sits in your living room. A stump that is no longer a trunk with branches, that no longer has birds nesting in its boughs or shades the beasts of the field, but a stump. A sign of the end of an era for that tree and a sign that things are not going to be as they were. We see that Israel turns away from God. They turn away from their God. They don't know God. They don't worship God. They don't love God with their whole hearts. And because of this, Israel has become a dark place with injustice, where the strong devour the weak, where people practice idolatry, where people practice immorality. And as I describe Israel, this stump in our passage today, the people of God, we realize that the people of God actually look a lot more like God's enemies, Assyria. Let's remember today that Israel strays from the worship of God, and we too in this world have strayed from the worship of God. This world doesn't as a whole love God with its whole heart. We don't seek to follow God in his ways. We don't seek to love one another as ourselves. And we live in a world where the strong devour the weak, where the strong and the wicked seem to be mighty. We live in a stump of a world. But Jerusalem is not left without hope because from this shoot, or from this stump springs a shoot, a shoot that will grow into a branch, that will bear much fruit. That shoot is your Savior, Jesus Christ. The humble exalted. That's the theme for our sermon today. The humble is exalted. As we see the dead stump grow a humble shoot into great branches that rule over all of the world and bear the fruit of the kingdom of God the humble exalted. See your Savior today in the humble exalted. See your Savior in the root, the stump, the branch, and the fruit. And now in order, this is important, the stump, the branch, the fruit, and the root. That's how we'll look at our sermon today. First, we'll look at the stump. 
The stump is where all of the action springs from, right? The shoot springs from the dead stump. So we'll first consider the stump. The stump is a clear indication that Israel looks more like the enemies of God than his people. Verse 10, just before our passage, says, This of Assyria, the enemies of God, Behold, the Lord God of hosts will lop the boughs with terrifying power. The great in height will be hewn down. The lofty will be brought low. He will cut down the thickets of the forest with an axe, and Lebanon will fall by the majestic one. The majestic one has surely left many stumps as he hewns the forests of Assyria. But now, as the people of God look more like the enemies of God, they too have been humbled. They too are now a stump. The kings of God's people have turned away from God. God's people have turned away from God. And so they have become a stump. But all hope is not lost. All hope is not lost because there comes a shoot from this stump and a mighty branch will grow from this stump. Now, it's the stump of Jesse. Why Jesse? Why Jesse in particular? We might expect that the Savior of Israel would come from the line of David, and he does. But our passage doesn't say that today. Our passage says the line of Jesse. So why Jesse? The stump of Jesse points us back even farther from David, the great king, to a humble origin, a shepherd king that's brought from the field to the throne room of God in the, in the palace in Jerusalem, from a humble beginning to an exalted king. As we go back and realize that the stump of Jesse brings us back to this humble beginning, now we might ex- expect a Messiah not born in the halls of a king, but a Messiah born of a much more humble place, in a feed trough, in a stable. You see, the stump of Jesse first tells us that the Messiah will be born of humble origins, and he will grow to be a great king. This is Jesus, born in a manger, to be made king of all creation through his faithfulness to God the Father, We see also in the stump of Jesse who Jesse is. Well, let's consider Scripture several times describes Jesse as Jesse, the Bethlehemite. That is, Jesse, the one who's from Bethlehem. Well, we know that Jesus was not born in Jerusalem. He was born in Bethlehem. And so the Messiah would come out of Bethlehem. And here, may the words of Matthew echo in your heads as the scribes spoke to King Herod when the wise men came to seek out the new king. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For you shall come, from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. The shepherd of God's people will come from Bethlehem. That's why we have the stump of Jesse, this sprout, this shoot comes up from a humble origin. Sometimes when we look around, we think that this 
world is a stump. We think that life might seem kind of stumpy, and we think that there's no hope. We look around and we think that the wicked people are enjoying all of the great things of this earth. They don't have any worries. They don't have any troubles. And we look around and we see that the poor are oppressed and taken advantage of. The world feels like a stump. But when the world feels like a stump, don't forget that a shoot grows from this stump. This shoot is the hope of Israel, the hope of God's people, and this shoot that grows from the dead stump is your hope as well. This is your Savior, Jesus Christ. This stump sends up a shoot. This shoot grows into a branch. This branch is the king. From this shoot arises a king. We know that this is a king first because we can look at a pronoun. Verse 2, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The shoot is a him. It's a person. We're talking about a person here. When Scripture uses the imagery of branches, many times Scripture is talking about kings and kingdoms. In Daniel 4, King Nebuchadnezzar is described this way. Its leaves were beautiful, and its fruit abundant, and it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it, and the birds of the heavens lived in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. King Nebuchadnezzar is described as a glorious tree with great branches. In Ezekiel, the kingdom of Assyria is described thusly. All the birds of the heavens made their nests in its boughs. Under its branches, all the beasts of the field gave birth to their young, and under its shadow lived all great nations. A kingdom described as a tree with branches. We see that kings and kingdoms described as trees and branches are to provide provision for their people, to prosper their subjects. This branch is a king. And this branch is a king that will rule over all the earth. In verse 4, the righteous he shall judge, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. This shoot who grows into a great branch is a king who will rule over all of the earth. There might be a little uneasiness, though. A king that rules over all the earth might be a problem. Scripture describes kings saying that even the kings of Israel will take your sons and send them to war and take your daughters and put them to work in perfumeries. They'll take the best of your crops Everything will go to prosper the king. And we know, as we look even in recent history, that kings and rulers are often not very concerned with their subjects, but their own power and their own personal well-being. And that could seem hopeless. But this king is different. Why is this king different? This king is different because he doesn't rule by the spirit of the world but he rules by the Spirit of God. Look at verse 2. 
the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Not only will this king be wise and understanding, not only will this be a mighty king, but on this king rests the very Spirit of God, the very source of all wisdom, the very source of all understanding, the very source of all power and good counsel, the very source of all knowledge rests on this king. And so this king moves forth and reigns by the power of God himself and not the power of the world. This is why we can have our hope in this king that is to come. And this is why Israel has hope in the branch. The king can rule no other way. This king can rule no other way because of the spirit of the Lord that rests on him. Kings do what they want. This king, too, does what he wants. But what does he want? He wants to do the will of the Lord, the will of God. Verse 3 says, he shall delight. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in his reverence and awe of God. This all comes from knowing who God is and from worshiping God because he deserves it. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. So everything that this king does will be driven by his delight, by the delight in his heart, the same way that each one of us are driven every single day as we prioritize our lives based on the delight of our hearts. That might be a problem with earthly kings, but that is not a problem for this king, the branch, because his delight is the will of God. His delight is the will of his Father. This is Jesus, your Savior. Not only is that his delight to rule this way, but he just rules this way because it's who he is. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist. Faithfulness, the belt of his loins. It's a part of who he is, righteousness and faithfulness. It's his joy to be obedient to God and to rule all of creation with righteousness and justice. And that's why Israel can rest their hopes in this king, in this savior, because he can only rule one way, in righteousness, in faithfulness to God, unlike the other kings of Israel. This king cannot be tricked. This king cannot be fooled. He can't be, he can't have the wool pulled over his eyes, right? He shall not judge by what his eyes see. He does not decide disputes by what his ears hear. His delight is in the Lord. He's obedient to God. And he's undeceivable, always ruling in righteousness. This is your Savior. This is your Lord Jesus Christ. This is why hope in Jesus Christ is never a bad bet. This is why we can place our faith in Jesus Christ 100% because he will never fail us. He rules in one way, the way of God, lifting up the humble, binding up those who are wounded, and humbling the proud. Those who are submitted to King Jesus as the Lord of their lives, 
know that he will never let you down. This is why Jesus Christ is your hope in a crazy world, in a world that seems to have turned from God because you are ruled by the king that will not fail you, that will prosper you, and will never let you down. Amen. Those who are ruled over by Jesus are kind of like those who have had water poured on them, right? Water can't help but make you wet. Those who are ruled by King Jesus can't help but bear the fruit of the kingdom. That brings us to our third section, the fruit. The fruit of God is the result of the reign of this king. I mean, we see the difference that the reign of a king makes here. What's the outcome of the king's reign? We look to verse 9. The earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord. The earth will be full of the knowledge of the, of the Lord. Everyone will know God. Everyone will have a relationship with God through this king. How many people will know God? As the waters cover the sea. How much water covers the sea? The whole sea's wet, right? It's all wet. Everywhere, everywhere will be submitted to God through this king. We'll be obedient to God through this king and we'll have peace through this king. We start to see how this knowledge of God plays out in the lives of the subjects. We see the fruit described here in verses nine, six through nine as we consider the subjects of this kingdom. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. The wolf, the leopard, the bear, the lion. These are all depictions of the strong who devour other animals. These are people who were mighty and used their strength to take advantage of the weak. Then we have the weak, the lamb, the young, the goat, the young goat and the fatted calf and the cow. These are all those who are meek and lowly, who the rich take advantage of, who suffer injustice. But what do we see here in this new kingdom? That they dwell together. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. This word dwell is not just saying that they live together. This word dwell is often used to describe a sojourner or a foreigner who's living in a foreign land. A foreigner in those days had no status. They were not in a good place. Israel was to take the sojourner in. Israel was to watch over the sojourner and care for them. And so what do we see here? But the wolf, the mighty, the strong, even the wicked, has been brought into the presence of the lamb as a sojourner, as one who is an outsider brought in through the reign of this king, Jesus. It's not simply living together, but it's the complete submission of the wicked and the proud. They dwell together 
without the rich trying to devour the poor, without the wolf trying to devour the lamb, and without the lamb being devoured by the wolf. That's a good illustration of peace. That's peace. They live together in peace in this kingdom of God. Now, how can they live together in peace, you might ask? It's through obedience. Obedience. That's described well as we consider a group, a wolf, a leopard, a bear, a lion, a lamb, a young goat, a fatted calf, a cow, all kind of wandering around together. And who leads them but a little child? I'm not even sure a great zookeeper could manage a crowd like that. How can this little child do so? Because they've been changed. Because they've been changed by knowledge of the Lord to be obedient to God. And so in obedience, these animals will follow even a small child. That's the fruit of this branch, the fruit of this kingdom of God. So, if the branch is the king, and this is a depiction of the kingdom that Jesus rules over, why don't we have peace now? Why do we still have so much confusion? Why do we still have so much darkness and wickedness and unrighteousness? Because this is a prophecy for the second coming of Jesus Christ. Because this prophecy points forward to the end of time when Jesus Christ will come again to reign over the living and the dead, to reunite body and soul, and then God's people will be perfected. Then we will all rise up in the perfection and glorification of the Holy Spirit through faith in Jesus Christ, and it will be our delight to be obedient to God. It will be our joy to live in peace, both strong and weak, both those who need to be humbled and those who need to be lifted up will join together in the kingdom, in the eternal new heavens and the new earth to glorify God. This prophecy is for us today too, though, because even now, the gospel goes out. Because even now, the gospel of Jesus Christ, salvation in Jesus Christ, is turning the hearts of the strong and the weak through the gospel where they see their sin and repent of it and turn to Jesus Christ as their king, both strong and weak. And they turn to Jesus Christ the gospel is transforming people, it's transforming cultures, it's transforming neighbors and neighborhoods and nations, one by one, as people submit to Jesus Christ as their king, as they obediently walk in the ways of God, knowing God more and more each day and living in peace despite the crazy world around them. This is the fruit of the kingdom and all of this fruit is borne out into this world because of the root. Verse 10 refers to this branch now as the root of Jesse. The branch has gone from the branch to the root. And all of the nations will come to him. 
and all of the nations will rest in his glorious peace. Well, let's consider for a minute the root. The root's kind of a humble thing. It grows down in the dirt. You don't often see it. In fact, the only times we see it might be when you're planting in your garden and you, you want to plant here, but there's a bunch of roots and you have to cut them out. Or maybe the root's growing from a tree and it's breaking up your driveway or you trip over it when you're not paying attention. But the humble root is very important to the plant. The root is the source of life. Without the root is no shoot. Without the root is no stump. Without the root is no branch. The root is vital to nourish the plant that bears fruit. That is the humble to the exalted. The humble root to the glorious fruit. The humble is exalted. It's exalt, the humble is exalted in a king that goes from the manger to the throne and also in his people. The unseen reality in the wolf and the lamb is that the root of Jesse has taken hold in their hearts. The root of Jesse has taken hold as the nations have gone to him. And that root begins to nourish them. That root begins to help them grow in the power of the Spirit through faith in Jesus Christ. That root is what enables the wolf to have the self-control not to devour the lamb. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's the root that empowers God's people to go out into this world and spread the kingdom of God. It's the root and through the root that we can be obedient and that we can have peace even in this crazy world. And so Jesus Christ is reigning now in heaven. And he's reigning now over his church. And that root of Jesse is planted in the hearts of all believers so that we might grow even from a humble shoot and so that his church and his kingdom might grow into a tree with great branches like the mustard seed for the glory of God and the spread of his kingdom until Jesus Christ comes again. Brothers and sisters, hope is what Christmas is all about. Hope in Jesus Christ. Hope in a fallen and dark world. And we can have hope in him because he is the king that has grown from the stump and in the stump of your soul, he has grown up a great tree. And through you, you will care for many. And through you, you will change the lives of many through the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because we have a king who rules over all of creation, we can have hope. Because we have a king that rules even over human hearts. The humble are exalted. Jesus Christ the king born in Bethlehem, the root of Jesse, who dwells within your hearts. This is your savior, and he is your hope in this fallen world. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. Gracious Father, we lift up our hearts to you, for you are good and have given us every good thing and every blessing in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, may we endeavor day by day in the power of your Spirit to walk in your ways, 
to know you more and to glorify you through our Savior, Jesus Christ, and the spread of the good news of salvation through him. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Let us now rise and profess the faith found in Scripture. Christians, in whom do you believe?